the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We don't go to God to inform him of something he doesn't already know. He knows everything. But the fact that we want to have a conversation with him stirs his heart. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you know how you feel when someone that you know here on earth wants to talk with you. They want to share your experiences and hear what you've been doing. And when you think about the God of this universe, our Heavenly Father, wanting to hear from us and have a conversation, well, that puts prayer at a different level, doesn't it? This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. And he's going to take us into the book of Matthew again, the sixth chapter. Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father will reward you. Have you ever thought about the place of reward in the Christian life? Because three times in this chapter, Jesus talks about God rewarding people who do what they're supposed to do. Verses 4, 6, and 18. There are some teachers who have taught that Christians really shouldn't be motivated by reward. That we should be good for for goodness sake. That, uh, That being virtuous has its own reward. And we've heard these phrases, and they sound good and fine, but that's not actually what Jesus taught. Three times he he talks about reward. He talks about getting a reward for the right kind of giving alms, for the right kind of prayer, for the right kind of fasting. And that's just in this chapter. There's many other references to God giving rewards for people choosing to do what is pleasing to God. Like, for instance, in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus talks about a reward for those who bear under persecution for his name's sake. And in chapter 10, when he talks about the reward that will be given people who give a little one a cup of water in his name. And in the parable of the talents, the reward that's going to be given to the servant who is faithful. And then in the parable of the last judgment, that rewards are going to be given in accordance with what people have done that please the Lord. In Revelation twenty two twelve, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. He can't wait to give away rewards. That's what the Bible tells us. The writer of Hebrew makes this promise. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. Prayer is an expression of seeking God. Prayer will produce rewards. God loves to give rewards. Living a life that's pleasing to God is going to bring many rewards, both in this life, but more importantly, in the life to come. Now, there's a great paradox about rewards for Christians, and that is this, that if a person does what they do 
calculating the reward they think they should receive, you're never going to get it. But if you do what is pleasing to God simply for the joy and love of God, then you will be rewarded. So it's important that we do things with a proper motive. How do we know that we are doing something with a proper motive? Well, let me suggest this. Why don't you ask yourself the question, would I still do this if nobody ever knew I did it? And if you can say, yeah, I would do it because it's the right thing to do, even if nobody did, maybe you're doing it for the right reason, the right motive. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And there's some interesting stories in the Bible. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophets of Baal are crying out for half a day saying, Oh, Baal, answer us! Oh, Baal, answer us! Oh, Baal, answer us! Oh, Baal, answer us! You get the idea. And then in Acts chapter 19, for two hours, an Ephesian mob is saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! You see, the pagans believed that in order to get the attention of God, you had to be loud and long because they were sleeping and you had to get their attention somehow. Heap up empty phrases translates a word that means gibberish. And and the, the focus is not so much on repetition, as it was translated in the King James, but on meaningless noise. Not meaningful communication, but meaningless noise. You know, prayer is about communication. Have you been with somebody who you wanted to have communication with, but all they gave you was meaningless noise? See, true prayer is about true communication. God wants to answer our prayers. We don't have to pester Him. He wants to answer our prayers as long as our prayers are in alignment with His will. Verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him, which then begs the question, well then, why do we bother asking? If God knows what we need, why do we bother asking? You see, some people have a a paradigm, a a concept of prayer, is that it's like sending an order form to Amazon or to eBay. And and that's not what prayer is really all about. And I was thinking about this, and uh, I was thinking about it in this context. This Christmas, I had an opportunity to hang out with my son and, and his wife and little Willow, and, you know, Willow's just turned six months, and she's trying to talk. And uh, when she looks at Grandpa and starts talking, she has Grandpa's undivided attention. I, I mean, it's babble, but she's got my attention. I want, to, I want to understand what she's trying to say to me. Now, she's only six months old. I've been around for about 60 years. There's not an awful lot she can tell me I don't already know. That's not the point. The point is that she wants to talk with me. And that stirs my heart. And I think that's what it's about with prayer. We don't go to God to inform him of something he doesn't already know. He knows everything. But the fact that we want to have a conversation with him stirs his heart. I got to hang out with my son, have conversations with my son. You know, most of the time we have conversations, there's no agenda. I'm a dad, so sometimes there's an agenda, okay, to the conversation. Most of my son could talk about whatever he wants to talk about. 
And I am glad that he wants to talk with me. Because he could choose to talk with his friends or play with his phone or be on the, the fact that he wants to communicate with me stirs my heart. I think that the fact that we want to talk with God stirs his heart. Verse 9. Pray then like this. And I want you to notice the order of the petitions in the prayer. The first three have to do with God and his glory. And then the second group of three has to do with us and our needs. God needs to be given first place. And then we turn attention to our needs. You see, it's first thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. And then give us, lead us, and deliver us. And when God is given his proper place being first, then everything else falls into place. Prayer is not intended to be an attempt to, build, to bend the will of God towards our desires, but to submit our desires to the will of God. The Father must be first. And, and yet we often come to him in prayer and, and we pray for things first, things that we want. Some of those things can distract us from God. Or we pray for friends or relationships, and some of those things might actually compete with him for our attention. Or, or we pray for him to order a certain, certain events so that it meets our agenda and our plan instead of his plan. We need to put God first in our prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father our Father. You know, we humans tend to be self-centered. And you notice that Jesus doesn't begin this model prayer by saying, my Father. In fact, nowhere in the Lord's Prayer do you find the words I, me, or mine. You see, when, it's, when we come to pray, it's not about God and me, it's about God and us. He is our Father. And this phrase eliminates our prayer being self-centered. He is our Father, our Father. You know, Jesus always called God Father, and it made an impression on his disciples because every prayer that's recorded for us in all four Gospels, in all of those prayers, Jesus addresses God as Father, except one prayer. And that prayer was given when he was hanging on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And you remember in that moment, he was made sin for mankind, which broke his relationship with the Father. But in every other prayer, he addressed God as Father. And that would have been considered irreverent and blasphemous in his time. In fact, the word father that he uses is the word Abba. Abba. And you know what that means? It means daddy. Daddy. And Jesus' model for prayer was modeled by the early Christians as well because the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba. Father. Abba was the title that was given a father by a small child, a little toddler, someone just learning how to speak. I, I, I've got a challenge for you uh, to consider. 
How about this week? When you go to prayer, you open your prayer with Daddy. That may transform your prayers. Does that sound a bit awkward to you? Well, give it a try and just see what difference it might make in your communication with your Heavenly Father. Pastor Leighton Sheely is our teacher. He's uh, on a bit of a break from the study that we've been pursuing in the book of James and sharing some thoughts that he presented to the congregation at the beginning of the year, just a few weeks ago, regarding the New Year's resolutions we may have made or perhaps should have made. (laughs) We'll continue this message tomorrow and wrap it up. If you'd like to have more details about this ministry, perhaps you'd like to come alongside of us and be a financial partner with us, help cover some of the expenses of sharing these messages with our radio audience. You can do that when you go to studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. And let us know that you listen, please. And also, um, more information about the churches on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. As always, thank you for listening. Join us tomorrow if you can when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.